This is the Making Millionaires Podcast, a realistic, no BS approach to effective and profitable investing. Everything from options trading to real estate. Once I'm done with you, you'll be itching to tell your boss to take a hike. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get in your face about the real way to make money and change your family tree. It's time to start thinking like a winner. So buckle up, sugar cup. It's about to get real. Hey guys, what's up? This is Andrew with the Options Millionaire Community. Thanks for hanging out with us. Another episode of the Making Millionaires podcast, where we can hang out, talk a little bit about all things investing from everything from options to real estate to personal finance to personal growth, motivation, fitness, and everything in between. So on the theme of trying to learn about all things investing related, all things finance related, uh, we posted the last episode last week about my journey my journey from blowing up my account to how do I rebuild my account and how do I grow and how I became this trader that I am today 11 years later, almost 11 years later. And it kind of got me thinking to how I rebuilt my account. I I remember thinking back to the 20-year-old me, the 23-year-old me, the 24-year-old me, how I went from a broke 18-year-old kid going into college and how do I built uh, built my life, my financial life coming up into today. So I wanted to kind of compound on the episode last week about how I blew up my account to my personal finance journey. If you've been in the Discord server for a while, you know that uh, personal finance is a huge topic of mine that I love to talk about. It's a huge passion of mine because there's a huge discrepancy uh, between the literate and the illiterate in terms of personal finance in the United States. And I can't speak about outside the United States. I've never never dealt with personal finance outside. But in the United States, there's a huge line in the sand between the people who know and the people who don't know. And I was one of the people who didn't know. My dad, uh, nobody in my family had any means, uh, financial means whatsoever. There was no generational wealth for me. There was nothing, there was no inheritance. There was no hand-me-downs. There was no anything. My dad didn't hand me a portfolio with, you know, $4 million of Amazon stock in it. There was absolutely nothing in terms of personal finance. In fact, most of my Christmas money, most of my holiday money that I was given as a kid was taken by my dad. He took that money and I received nothing. I had to pay for my own lunches in high school. I remember paying $2 every day for lunches in high school and then middle school. I had to pay for all that stuff myself out of my Christmas money. And then, of course, I started working at 14 years old at McDonald's to make money. I had to pay for everything myself. So I was, for all intents and purposes, independent uh, from the time I was 14 onward. I did my own laundry. I paid for all my fun activities. I paid for all my sports, all that stuff. Uh, So... Uh, but it just goes to show that the personal journey for finance can go from anywhere from the bottom and, and the sky is the limit and it all depends on you as a person. Uh, that's why I'm so passionate about it because literally personal finance is the key to set you free. No politician will set you free. Uh, no, no organization will set you free. No small interest group will set you free. No person can set you free. Uh, you are the only person who could set you free. And that's why I love it because I'm a, I'm a person who loves discipline. I'm a person, you know, you know, I, I follow Jocko's teachings. David Goggins is one of my, is one of my heroes in terms of being a person who I look up to in terms of disciple of, of, uh, of being disciplined and motivated. So all these type of characters that I follow in my head about discipline, uh, it really relates to personal finance because if you are disciplined with your finance, you can write your own ticket and it may take a long time and it's not easy. It's not something that can happen overnight, save for living, winning the lottery. Uh, but personal finance can get you down the path and then eventually will set you free and you could change your life, your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives, your great grandkids' lives, and all the way down the road, depending on how far down the rabbit hole you go with this. 
So I wanted to make this episode and really talk about my passion and my journey with through personal finance. So hopefully somebody can can alter their course of their life and their family tree. So what is personal finance? Uh, what is exactly personal finance? And personal finance, in my opinion, is the roadmap. Uh, it's not an account. It's not a dollar amount. It's a roadmap that takes a lifetime to design that is tailored towards your income, whether you have small income, large income, median income, multiple incomes, one income. And that is up to you to decide how detailed that roadmap is. But developing that roadmap is a long, arduous process that takes a long time to get started. But once you kind of get things rolling, it's like, man, this is this is this is doable. This is achievable. I can do this. And we'll talk about a few different things. And I'm going to kind of go back in time to when I was 18 years old. And I'm going to talk to the young people first. And then we'll kind of, uh, because just because you are a beginner in finance doesn't mean that you're young. Uh, however, I am going to talk to the young people first. And then we'll go towards the generalization of beginners who, or if you're a beginner, you could be 60 years old, you could be 50, you could be 20, you could be 18, it doesn't matter. So let's talk to the 18-year-olds. Uh, so the 18, 19-year-olds who are just fresh out of high school. Uh, and I'm going to assume that you don't really have much financial means. If you do, great job, and you can still apply these tenants, but let's talk to the people who don't have a lot of personal finance uh, or have a lot of income at the moment, because I didn't. When I came out of high school, I had nothing. I had no money except for a couple hundred bucks that I had saved up over the summer. I had my own vehicle that I had paid for, and at the time was a 1998 Chevy Blazer. It was my second car. I had worked since I was 14 years old at McDonald's. My first time was at McDonald's flipping burgers. In fact, I was so young, they wouldn't even let me flip burgers. The only thing I could do was work the cash register. So I'd work the cash register, and then when I turned 16, they finally let me flip burgers. Uh, but by then, I was already transitioned to a new job. I managed to get myself a job at the local upscale country club down the road, and I was a bag boy. So I'd go out on the weekends, and I would I would make sure that all the all the golfers, their carts, their personal, their personal own golf carts were set up with their bags and they had their drinks set up and all their towels, and they would throw me some money, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Some dude, some of the big high rollers would throw me 100 bucks sometimes. And I was all tip money, went straight into the pocket. So I'd roll out on a weekend with a couple hundred bucks in cash in high school, and that was the entire summer. So I used that money. My first vehicle uh, was a 1986 Ford Ranger. It had 30,000 miles on it. It was basically brand new. It was considered an antique because the vehicle was, you know, at the time, 18 years old. Uh and it was considered antique, but and the guy had kept it in the garage, and it was beautifully kept, so I drove that thing around, and then I eventually sold that, and I bought a 1998 Chevy Blazer, and that was a cool vehicle, and you know, all my friends could hop in, it was a, it was a four, it was an SUV, so I could carry all my friends, and uh, so that's all I had, I had a couple hundred bucks in that Chevy Blazer, and everything I owned was packed to the back of that Blazer, and I went off to college at 18 years old, and I had nothing. And I had no idea how to manage personal finance. I had no idea about any of this stuff. All I knew was like, hey, man, I'm going off to college. I'm going to start my life, and I'm going to change my family tree. I just didn't know how I was going to do that. And I remember thinking back, and there's so much I could have done right. And this is kind of like if I'm talking to 18-year-old me, this is the things that I would tell him. The first thing we'd do is that no matter what, the second you turn 18 is start putting money into retirement, into a 401k or a mutual fund of some sort, a slow growth, long-term retirement account. And it doesn't have to be much. I'm not saying put in half your income. I'm just saying even if it's only 20 or 30, 40 bucks a month, throw some money into retirement at 18 years old. It's unbelievable the wealth that you could generate by the time you're mid-30s, lower 40s, if you start investing in a real in, into the market at a very young age. Uh, so even if it's a little income, you know, find out about it, open up a brokerage account, open up a retirement account and start throwing 20, 30, 40 bucks a month, whatever you can afford, 
the first thing. That's the number one thing you could do right there. And the second thing, which kind of goes hand in hand, and this may be even more important than the first, it depends how you look at it, is one, is avoid consumer debt at all costs. Consumer debt is personal finance cancer. What do I mean by consumer debt? Car loans, credit cards, any kind of debt that has a high APR rate, like a 23 24%, 28%, absolutely absurd. It's a good way to pigeon yourself into paying debt for the rest of your life because people fall into this trap to thinking that debt is necessary. You have to accumulate debt. You have to use debt in order to get ahead in life. And consumer debt is the problem with that. Uh, and we'll talk more about some leveraging debt into income-producing assets on another episode where we do a little more advanced personal finance. But for this, consumer debt is personal finance cancer. And uh, I've listened to Dave Ramsey a lot too, and he talks a lot about debt. And you know, I do agree with him on this point: is that consumer debt is the worst possible thing you could do because you get in this trap where you think you need to have a fifty thousand dollar car, you think you need to have the latest iPhone, you think you need to have all these Gucci clothes, and it's all a bunch of nonsense. And take it from someone who's come from nothing and now has achieved enough wealth where I could pretty much buy anything I want that's not considered like a super high end luxury item. You know, I could buy pretty much anything, you know, anything I want. And I reached the point where I realized that with these material things do not make you happy. You think you want those things. Trust me, I wanted all of it. When I was growing up and I had absolutely nothing, I said, man, I can't wait to buy this nice gun. I can't wait to buy a brand new truck. I can't wait until this, you know, I could do this and this and this and buy that. And I've never been able to buy anything. I just can't wait. And now that I've bought those things, it's like, man, this doesn't make me any happier. In fact, the feeling, like you you get that excited, excited feeling when you want, when you want to buy something. You get that like, oh man, I, that little twinge or like that little hit of the doping when you really want to buy something online or you get like you're driving to the store, you really want to buy something, then you buy it and then you have kind of like this disappointment. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like this, this doesn't make me happy. I'm not any happier than I was before I bought it. So don't fall into the trap at a young age of thinking that you need to accumulate consumer debt and credit card debt just to buy a bunch of crap to impress people you don't like. Uh, so buy things you don't need. It's just a bunch of nonsense. So it's number one. Rule number one is, is avoid consumer debt at all costs. And the second thing, uh, which I'll say about debt, is student loans. Student loans is a fallacy. It's an absolute predatory system right now where these they're, pre- they're preying on these college kids and loading them up with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans. And some kids don't even have good enough credit to be, to be approved for a credit card, yet these companies are approving these 18- and 19-year-old kids for hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans because they know they'll pay them for the rest of their life and they're not bankruptable. So these kids will have to pay this debt no matter what because if you file bankruptcy, you still got to pay it. So avoid student loans at all costs. And obviously, if you have a decision between going to college and not going to college and your student loans is the only way you can make it, fine. But if you're going to use student loans, that you need to go as little as you possibly can. Some people choose to use student loans to finance their entire college experience. They use student loans to, follow, to, to fund their tuition, their books, their lodging, their food where they don't have to work, and they fund their entire experience in college. It ended up costing them hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans that they end up paying on for 30, 40 years. I know people who I graduated college in 2009. Here we are, what, 14 years later, and they're still not even close to paying off half their student loans because it's just abs- it's absurd. They can't get out from under it. So I promise you the worst possible thing you can do is put yourself in an overburdened situation with student loans. Avoid student loans at all costs. If you must use student loans, then the absolute bare essentials, just tuition, just to get yourself in college, and then go find yourself a job. I work 40 hours a week in college. 
Uh, my freshman year, I did not. I focused on studying, getting straight A's, and setting up my college my college grades. And then after that, sophomore, junior, senior year, uh, I, I worked 40 hours a week at Verizon. I sold cell phones, which is a fantastic job. You know, to be in sales as long as you sell good. And I was making 30, 40 grand a year as a, as a college kid, which is incredible money for a college kid working 40 hours a week. Uh, yeah, my grades suffered a little bit. I was making, you know, C's and B's, and I ended up with a 3.0 average, which is, you know, perfectly fine, especially in what I know now is that 4.0, a 4.0 grade point average doesn't mean nothing, doesn't mean anything. Nobody cares. Like, nobody cares about your GPA unless you are a specific field, like a doctor or something like that. But for accountant, didn't matter at all. Didn't affect me one bit. So I was perfectly happy to sacrifice those jobs to make my personal finance better and to and to grow my bank account and pad myself against Murphy. So get yourself a job, avoid student loans, avoid consumer debt. Those are the three big things for the young person coming out. Now I'm going to start talking towards everyone, uh, not just the young people, whether you are young, old, um, uh, middle-aged, if you're, if you're just a beginner in personal finance, I'm going to try to talk to you and just give you all my life lessons. And the first thing is you have to create a budget. My budget is so detailed, a lot of people make fun of me for it. Literally, I've got my first budget I ever made printed out. I literally went to Kinko's and I spent 60 bucks to print out my budget. It looks like an expense report you would hand to a corporation. It's got tabs. It's got my income statement. It's got my transactions. Every single transaction on my debit card that I swiped that year is on there. It's got a breakdown. It's got charts. It's got my, I, I, I logged my fuel and my mileage to see what gas station can get me better fuel mileage based on their quality of gas. I went through you know, 85, 87, 89 gas to see which gas was going to give me a better bang for my buck. And it turns out that some gas stations with the mid-grade actually gave me a better bang for my buck. I'm talking, I went down to detail. And you don't necessarily have to go down that detail, but I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. It, it was kind of a, a game for me. But create a budget and track every single dollar because I promise you, you don't understand how detrimental it is to swipe your card at Starbucks every day until you realize six months later that six ninety nine or five seventy nine a coffee every day for six months adds up to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars that you're wasting away on stupid coffee when you can uh, make coffee at home for thirty cents a cup. So form a budget and track every single dollar and be be relentless with it. Accept no margin of error. Like literally, if I reconcile my my Excel sheet, my balance sheet that I created, and it's off by one penny, I track it. And I go down and make sure where is that penny and where is the error until everything matches perfectly because I want to know exactly where my money's going so I can start telling my money what to do. If you don't have your budget and you don't tell your money what to do, your money's going to tell you what to do. So when you open up your account at you know the end of the month and you're like, holy crap, I've only got $57 up to my account. How did that happen? I just got paid two weeks ago. Oh, well, I went to Starbucks and that I went to I went to Zaxby's and I went to Taco Bell four times last week and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that's why you're wasting all your money on stupid, stupid things when you don't need to be doing that. Secondly, save as much as you can. Rice and beans, beans and rice. That's the way Dave Ramsey says, Dave, rice and beans, beans and rice. And when you are young, this is absolutely crucial. When you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole, this is absolutely crucial. Your income is your number one growth asset. You cannot do anything without your income. I don't care if you're making 30 grand a month. I don't care if you're making 200 grand a month. Trust me, I know people who make 200 grand a month and they're absolutely broke. Absolutely broke. In fact, they are in the hole because they're, I, I know people that make 35 grand a month and they're able to stack away 50 grand over the course of years. Uh, and because and they're not broke, they're living a beautiful life because 
They how they say. What are your spending habits? The fallacy that you need to make six figures or you know four hundred grand a month, uh, four hundred grand a year in order to be successful is a complete farce. It's a lie. It's your behavior. It's your finance behavior. So the first thing you do absolutely is after you create your budget is to reduce your spending at all costs, slash it down to nothing. And I'm talking to people who are desperate. I'm talking to people who are in a huge financial hole who want to turn around. Uh, honestly, you know, I don't. And the reason why I say this is because I don't have an answer for uh, getting a new career. I don't have an answer for a job. I don't have an answer for you if you're, you know, if you're 49 or 50 and you're too old to switch careers. Like I don't have an. There's no good answer for that. The only good answer you have is to deal with what you have. First and foremost, and that is your income. So the first thing you need to do is cut your spending down to the absolute bare minimum. Cut it out. No more going to the movies. Uh, no more spending money at Whataburger and Taco Bell. Whataburger sucks anyway. Uh, Taco Bell, Zaxby's. Cut it down to the bare minimum and start saving every single penny you can. Squeeze uh, all the income into your savings account that you possibly can. And once you do that, you really need to focus on your debt. You want to pay off all your consumer debt as much as possible because you need to free up that income. If you don't have any consumer debt, great. You're done with that point. You don't have to worry about consumer debt. And now you've got you've squeezed out your expenses. You've got your income rolling in. You've got the consumer debt gone. And now you can start thinking about growth. So a deal with personal finance, there are six stages that you achieve in life, in my personal opinion. And you kind of, you rotate back and forth. Sometimes you go back, sometimes you go forward, but these are six stages that you're always in at some point. Uh, the first one is nothingness or desperation. Nothingness or desperation. I'm talking f strictly from a financial perspective here, nothing else. Uh, nothingness and desperation. And that's usually for the young people or the people who are just gotten themselves in a very dire situation, bankruptcy, that type of thing. Or if you're just 18, you have nothing. You're just starting life at nothing. Uh, second thing is foundational money. You start reaching foundational money. And what does that mean? Foundational money is... You've cut out a lot of your consumer debt or most of or most of not all your consumer debt, and you are starting to put together some scratch, like a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred dollars in your savings account, stuff like that. You're starting to get foundational money where you can start to plan on how you're gonna grow. The third step is growth. So now you've gotten out of the financial you've gotten out of the foundational step into growth stage where you've got no consumer debt, you've got a little more income coming in. Uh, maybe you're 25, 30, you're starting to hit the upper stages, you know, starting to reach, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars a month or a year. I keep saying about the year. Um, and you're starting to put together some decent money. Maybe you maybe now you've got four grand in, in a bank account, 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, stuff like that. You start to hit that, that growth stage. After the growth stage, you're hitting a flourishing stage. After in the flourishing stage, you are starting to expand. You're starting to do invest. You're starting to do like even look at real estate. You're starting to put money in a stock market. You're starting to do all these things um, in terms of a, uh, growing that money, where it's all the beginning stages of growth, the beginning stages of investing, the beginning stages of real estate. Start to you're looking towards expansion, and then once you really master the growth stage, then you start the flourishing stage. And the flourishing stage it sounds exactly like that. You're starting to flourish. Uh, all your investments are starting to pay off. Your your real estate is starting to bring in you know monthly payments. The renters you start maybe look at a second or third property. Uh, you're starting to enjoy life a little more. Maybe you start looking at buying a boat, and, uh, pay cash. Obviously, after flourishing, you reach in the expansion phase, and the expansion the expansion phase is where you're going to start expanding a lot. And that's exactly what the expansion phase. Maybe if you're a real estate your real estate investor from the residential standpoint, maybe you want to start expanding into the commercial. Uh, the commercial properties. Uh, you really want to start expanding. Maybe land development. Uh, you're going to start looking into different investing styles. 
just the expansion phase, maybe taking on a business, maybe a venture capitalist. Instead of investing in real estate, you can invest in a business. You find someone who you trust and you love, they have a great business idea, you invest in them to start a business. All these different aspects where you want to start using your money to grow more money. And then, of course, after the expansion phase, you reach the generational wealth phase. And this is the final and the hardest stage to reach. And a lot of people don't actually reach it because generational wealth is not like a million dollars is nothing compared to a, And if you're talking in generational wealth, a million dollars is nothing. So you need to reach tens of millions, uh, if not higher, to, to really hit the generational wealth stage. And that's because you, it affects your kids. It affects your kids' kids. It affects your great-grandkids. It affects your cousins, all that kind of stuff. So... Those are the six stages. Uh, nothingness, desperation. Uh, number two is foundational money. Number three is growth. Number four is flourishing. Number five is expansion. And number six is generational wealth. So once you get out of the fact of your consumer debt, you paid off consumer debt, you're starting to put a little scratch together, you're in that foundational stage, and now the, you need to scratch and, and bust your way up into the growth stage. And the growth stage depends on your career growth. It depends on your income. It depends on you can't really get to the growth and expansion phase without in, increasing your income because now that you've dug yourself out of your hole, now you need to focus on getting a bigger shovel to dig yourself out of the hole faster. Or instead of digging, digging yourself out of a hole, now you can start using that dirt to build a mound to stand on. So now you're higher. Now you're on top of a mound, on top of a hill uh, instead of in a hole. So you need to start focusing on career changes. You need to start focus on developing a business. You need to start focus on trade school, developing a trade, a business, which I always think that if you could start a business at a trade school, that far beats any kind of W-2 payment. Uh, but you need to start developing how are you going to increase your income? How are you going to increase your, your, your career? And you need, you need to develop this with reckless, like absolute reckless abandon. I mean, absolute get in there and, and never stop learning to grow. Never stop trying to pursue your dream, pursue your path, pursue greatness the the path never stops my brain never ever shut off and you cannot change your life if you don't have that that gumption you don't if you don't have that that hunger to really get in there and do that um and i i personally i personally love entrepreneurship i love the idea of trade schools i love the idea of being a contractor like an electrician or a plumber or or a constructor whatever it is because that 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 is there's always going to be a need for the trades uh, and I think the white collar job has kind of been overblown, especially now, like working in an office work for me, working in an office 40 hours a week in a, you know, in a suit and tie in a cubicle, I, I'd rather be dead. Like to me, I would rather be, I'd, I would rather be dead. It's an awful way to live life. And I think a lot of people are starting to experience that and tar- starting to realize that. So pursue your dream, raise your income, get into that growth stage and, and really start to generate all the benefits that you had, that you just worked so hard to do getting yourself out of a hole, uh, paying off debt. Uh, now you're starting to squeeze out the expenses. Now you've got your budget rolling so you know what you need to trim, what you need to grow, what you can let loose. Hey, all right, well, you know, now I've, I've trimmed out all the expenses. I've lived in a shell, you know, I've lived in a hole for five months. Now I can, hey, now I, need, now I can go to the movies once a month a little bit. I can have a little fun. And once you kind of pay that, pay that down, then, hey, now I can have a little fun. Now I can, you know, go to the golf course once a month or something like that, you know to bring in a little entertainment because now you know what you're doing. You can control your money. You don't let it get out of control. Now you can start doing all of that. And then once you raise your income, then you get into the growth stage where you can start putting together, all right, now I've got five grand, six grand, seven grand. Now I've got 10 grand. All the while, remind you, we're still putting money in our 401k or TSP or mutual fund or whatever your retirement choice is, your retirement vehicle choice. And then once you hit that growth phase, then you need to be start maxing out your, maxing out your contributions. I'm talking 15%. Max out your contribution to the 401k as quickly as possible. I'm talking 18, 19, 20 years old, as fast as you can max that baby out. 
And I promise you, I am right now 36 years old and I've been maxing up my TSP for 12 years now, not even my whole career, but 12 years. I've seen some coworkers balances who have only been doing 5% just to get the 5% match. My balance is multiple times larger than theirs, multiple times larger than theirs on right now. And I'm 36 years old and I can't imagine where my account's going to be later on down the road when I'm 60. But my account is multiple times bigger than theirs because I've been doing 15 to 20% every single month for years, whereas they've been only doing 5%. So that's a huge thing if you want to generate that wealth. And obviously, the 401k, obviously, you can't touch until your retirement years. And that's a different conversation because obviously, I don't want to wait until I'm 60 to enjoy my wealth. I want to enjoy it now, which is why you need multiple sources of income, and which is why we're having this conversation. But yes, you still need to worry about that. Just you want to worry about more than that. And then we're going we're gonna to stop at the growth phase. We're going to leave the flourishing expansion generational wealth for episode number two on personal finance. And today we're going to stop at the growth stage. But the growth stage, this is where discipline and motivation really comes in because now you need to start worrying about the stuff that's hard to change. And the stuff that hard, is hard to change is your income. It's easy to get disciplined enough to cut out your expenses, but it's harder to get your income growth because you may be limited by your marketable skills. You may be limited by... Your age, you're 65 years old, you can't change careers. Like, I get that stuff. And that's the stuff I don't have good answers for. But I didn't say this was easy. I didn't say I had all the answers. I just said this is what you need to focus on changing if you want to change your life. Um, but here's one thing you can know. Here's one thing I can tell everyone. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what, and I don't care of any disability within reason, obviously. You have a marketable skill. You have something that people are willing to pay for. It's just how willing, how willing are you to pursue that and to build into that and to market that skill? Whether it be, hey, if you're an electrician, are you good at electrician? Then why work for somebody else? Work for developing your own business and then market yourself properly. Show up on, show up on time. Don't show up on time. Show up 10 minutes early. Do high quality work for a fair price and then do that over and over and over again. I mean, freaking Dave, you know, the Wendy's guy didn't start to use the 60s. KFC guy didn't start to use until he was older in life. So, like, you don't have to write yourself off just because you're older in life. And if you're young, then cool. Stop worrying about the stupid Monday stuff in life and start building a life that you can pursue happiness. You could pursue um, opportunity. You could pursue, you could pursue financial greatness. You could pursue happiness. But that growth stage is absolutely crucial. And that's, unfortunately, that's the stage that not many people actually get. And, and it's even harder. Admittedly, it's even harder in 2022 because, like, freaking mortgages and rent are, are through the roof. Like, how is somebody supposed to afford a $3,000 a month rental or payment on an apartment? Like, it's absolutely insane. So I understand, you know, the current economic conditions, it's very tough to, to enter that growth stage. But unfortunately, that's the cards we're dealt. We could sit there and complain about it and moan about it, how terrible it is. Or you could get up on get up on your saddle and figure out a way to do this. Uh, because it doesn't matter. You could sit there and complain, but that's just the way it is. It's, it, it's that, That's just the way the economy is right now. You have to fight through it. And it's probably only going to get worse, I hate to tell you, uh, because of the political the political climate's declining. The two-party political system with Biden and Trump, and it, it's all it's all awful. It, it's just an absolute dumpster fire. The economy is in the, is in the hole. So it, it is something you're going to have to fight through, and it's not going to be easy. But hopefully things, you know, economically do improve in the future. So we'll stop at the growth stage. And then the episode number two, we're going to talk about the last three stages, which is flourishing, expansion, and generational wealth. Uh, but I'll leave you with this one thing, is that, you know, for me, my life drastically improved in every way, including financial, when I, when my faith in my religion uh, really 
started to flourish, when I really started to have faith, when I really gave my life over to God, because I was a very closed off person. I was a very worldly person. I was very stubborn. I thought I was an alpha male, which I wasn't. And now I know what a true alpha male is. And we'll talk and I'll have another episode for that because that's another big passion of mine is what really is an alpha male or an alpha female. You could be alpha female too. Uh, and you don't really truly understand what, what a leader is, what a alpha type personality is until you give yourself over to something bigger, which is a faith, which is God. And if you're not religious, uh, you know, I'm not going to force religion on you, but for me personally, it's been a game changer for me and it's changed my life in the better because it's allowed me to be a part of something bigger and it's allowed me to look at myself in a humble lens and get off of my pedestal and stop thinking I was so much better than everybody and so much, uh, so much bigger and stronger and better and, and I'm Mr. Big Bad Tough Boy. So once I get rid of all that and I kind of shed that, uh, that, that, that heaviness, my life drastically changed. So faith for me is a huge part of finance. It's a huge part of my family life. It's a huge part of who I am. It's a huge part of I'm as a trader and everything in between. It's, it's, it's got like spider veins that's kind of enveloped my entire life. And once I gave myself over to that, it's completely changed the game for me. So being a person of faith is, is a huge part of who I am. And it's, it's, it's been absolutely incredible. So God's a huge part of my life. So and if you ever want to talk about that, absolutely. DM me. I would love to talk about it. I'll share my experience. I'll share my conviction. I'll share my, my salvation with anyone who wants to talk about it. So you can always DM me in the server as well if you want to talk about that. So I'm going to hang out there. Uh, look for episode two when we talk about more. I hope you learned a little something about this. It's very passionate of mine. I know I kind of rambled on there, but man, it's a passion of mine. And, and it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. So don't, don't get, uh, don't get, don't confuse being simple with easy. You can have something simple, but still very difficult to, to accomplish. And that's what personal finance is. It's simple, but very difficult, especially in a, uh, an environment where it's not very easy to accumulate wealth or, uh, the expenditures are very high. So thanks for hanging out. Let me know if you have any questions about personal finance. We can dive more in the server and talk more about that. I'm happy to discuss this at any time. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of the Making Millionaires podcast. I'm Andrew with the Options Millionaire community, your number one resource for all things investing. And I'll leave you with this. The only thing separating you from financial greatness is the decision to be better.